Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, my guest is legendary voiceover casting director and voiceover instructor, Andy Roth. Andy Roth played such an instrumental part in my life in discovering what voiceover is, technique, and how to work with microphones that I would never have started this podcast if I didn't meet him. He's been such a huge figure in my life and helped guiding me in understanding what it takes to develop your voice, which is a reoccurring theme on this podcast. I'm so grateful for him coming on, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear the impact that he's had. Here it is. Andy Roth, welcome to An Actor Despairs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, to give you a little context, I didn't want to say this before because I wanted to save it for the room. You know, one of the things and reoccurring themes I, I, I talk about on this podcast is is finding your voice and what it takes to find your voice. And me, as Ryan Perez, I never would have found my voice. Not only, I would dare say, I never would have even had the idea to start this podcast if it were not for you and the classes that I took and the lessons that I learned from you. Oh, thanks. I, I think you're giving me a little too much credit. No, I, 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 I anyway. really mean every word of it. And it oh, thank it, you. It, it was so paramount to me because I, uh, you know, I'm an actor, but I, 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 you know, every actor desires film, TV, theater, the voiceover sector, unless someone kind of introduces it to you, at least for me, a kid coming from Virginia, I didn't know about it. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Right. And when I started taking your classes, and you have such an amazing way of teaching and you keep a really positive environment and you're really nurturing. And I, I've taken Thank your you. class like six different times <laughs> in seven different places. Yeah. <laughs> and I love having you every time. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was so paramount to me. And I I really mean this and I have such Thank eternal you. gratitude to you. I This podcast would not exist without you. So it's a real honor to have you on today. Well, thanks. I do think you're giving me too much credit. I know you. You are always someone who's going to get stuff done. So you probably would have done this in some form anyway, but thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm happy that you consider me a part of it. I I totally do. So, but before we dig in, I'd I'd like to start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up on Long Island. I was actually born in Queens, but I didn't live enough of my life there to actually say I'm from Queens. Got it. Um, I grew up on Long Island. uh, Parents married? Mostly. Uh, Sorry? Were your parents married? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They were at the time and uh, are now, again, just not to the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yep. And uh, I was there up through high school. What did your parents do? My, They were both teachers. Oh, they were? Yeah. My father was a math teacher at a New York City school called Newtown High School. Okay. And uh, my mom taught English as a second language. Wow. Yeah. At a few different colleges. And, and as a result, I was terrible in math and horrible in English. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Reject our parents. Right. And growing up on Long Island with the access to New York City, were you, were you coming in ever seeing Broadway shows? Like, were you... I saw Van Halen on the 1984 oh, tour, the last yeah. one with David Lee Roth. Yeah. Yep. A bunch of us, we came in on the train... Um, it was incredibly irresponsible to trust us yeah. to come into the city. Um, Wait, MSG? Huh? Was yep, it M- yeah. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it was incredible. I saw them again years later with a different lead singer, and it was not the same show. Um, but yeah, I used to come in actually to see concerts a lot. I saw Rush. I wow. saw Yes. I saw... 
Oh, so many bands. I saw Ozzy Osbourne, Motley Crue opened for them, and Rat opened for them. Wow. Yeah. So were you more, when you were younger, a connoisseur of music than, would you say, like acting? And I was kind of a metalhead. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. a metalhead st- as well. I actually yeah. still am a yeah. metalhead. <laughs> yeah. Great. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love music. How can you not? Yeah, I don't, of course. I don't love all of it. Yeah. But... Um, you know, sometimes I'm on the subway and I'm mouthing the words to something. I don't actually sing out loud. I'm not that annoying, but, uh, and I'm also not that good at singing out loud, but I'm mouthing the words. I'm on the subway and every once in a while I look up going, does anybody who knows me looking at me? But I, I feel like if music doesn't make you want to do that. Yeah, of course. Why listen to it? Yeah. So yeah. then did you want to start a band or was that a part of your I journey? I was in a band in college wow. and we were terrible. Yeah. We were really bad, even by college. I had one in high standards. school. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah. You know, um, it was about the extent of my musical abilities, but uh, our guitarist was great. Okay. Yeah. His name was Peter Jamie, and he's actually a music lawyer in Las Vegas now. Oh, so he stayed and sort of in the... Sort of in the business. And yeah. he actually, I think, has written the soundtrack to a couple of movies. Wow. Yeah. So he's still scoring things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he was great. He was always really talented and very cool. The rest of us, not so much. So then how did the voiceover thing happen for you? Uh, I lost a bet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it kind of, it found me. It's like, like what you said. Yeah. You know, voiceover is something that you learn when people introduce it to you. Yeah. Um, I was in, uh, you know, I'd come back to New York after college and, uh, where did you go, by the way? I went to the University of Buffalo. Okay. And, uh, when I came back to New York, I had gotten a job. I was a teacher for a little while. Didn't like it. New York City was yeah. a public school system. Difficult. Speaking of kids who don't want to apply yeah, themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a difficult situation. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really prepared to do that. Yeah. You know, hey, God bless the teachers who are doing it. They are amazing people. What did you study at the University of Buffalo? Theater. Oh, theater. Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. did have an acting bug. Yeah, I did have an acting background. Yeah. Enough to know that I did not want to be an actor. So when you left, you knew you, yeah, you weren't coming doing the backstage finding an agent. I wasn't I wasn't going to do the boogie. Got uh, it. I have incredible respect for people that do it and I I love this industry. I yeah. never wanted to do any other industry. That just wasn't the part of it that held me. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't know that much about, you know, the business cuz sometimes that's left out of some college curriculum. Of course. Uh and so I got a job at Samuel French. Wow. Yeah. I was, uh. There was, there was one in New York? Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. I wow. think they've moved since then. I know they're still here. I Are don't they? Know, I don't know if they still have their bookstore. Cause the LA one closed. Oh, did it? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if the company went under just cause of Amazon I, or whatever. I feel like they're still out there as a publisher. They also, if I remember correctly, owned Broadway Play Publishing, which. Okay. Was in another city. I want to say Boston, but don't quote me on that. I yeah. Don't know if, but they. Um, so anyway, so I worked for them, um, licensing musicals, recommending monologues, things like that. Uh, and uh, a a friend of mine who had worked there introduced me to a friend of his, a woman who's still to this day one of my heroes. Her name is Beth Wiki. She okay. was the head of daytime casting at CBS at the time. And her on hus- camera, uh, on camera. Oh, okay. And her husband's agency was looking for an assistant, and she called them, and she put in a word for me, um, helped me get the job, and it was an assistant in the voiceover department. Yeah. And I didn't know, you know, it's like I knew what voiceover was, or at least I thought I did. 
but when you're in it, voiceover is the friendliest branch of this business, hands yeah. down. Um, it's probably of all the branches of this business I've worked in and I've done on camera casting and I've done legit and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, of all the areas in this business I've worked in, voiceover is the only one where I actually had to go and pull people away from their conversations to actually audition for something. Yeah. It's friendly. Every time I would put together a casting, like even if people saw each other yesterday, it was like old home week. And, yeah. You know, how you been and catching up and what are you doing? Um, there was no malice. There was no, I mean, if there was, it escaped me, but there's probably very little of it. And partly because it's, I guess it's a bulk business. Yeah. You know, you see the same people all the time. It's a very, very tight community. Um, and I just loved it. You know, I uh, was an assistant there. Then I became the in-house booth director. Wow. So I handled all their castings, um, worked with the celebrities. I conducted a lot of the, the promo sessions because a lot of the promos were recorded from the office. Got it. I made sure that they went smoothly. Uh, and it's just, uh, I just fell in love with it. If we call it the uh, pre-digitalization, the analog world versus mm -hmm. like now the YouTube space, where, where, where were voiceovers? Was it mainly radio, uh, television commercials? It was always all over. Got it. Yeah, it was always on TV. I mean, cable wasn't as much a thing. Yeah. It was starting to become a thing. The internet was nothing. Audible, those kind of book readings, those tapes have always existed as well, right? They've, they've always existed. Um, Audible has not always existed. Yeah, but, but, the, but the phenomenon of reading yeah. a book. A lot of times, I think at the time, if I remember right, and I think I do, uh, a lot of publishers were releasing their own audio books. Got it. Um, so there was a lot of celebrities doing them, but they weren't as much a thing. There was a lot of recorded books for the blind and things that still exist. Yeah. Um, but uh, they had always been out there, but they were on cassette. Got it. When I started, CDs and DVDs weren't even really a thing. Yeah. I remember when I got the first piece of equipment in my studio that could actually record a wow. CD. You know, before that, they were something that you bought that some company with a billion dollars was able to... And, and so how would you send an audition around before the CD MP3 world? I would, I would record things on cassette. Wow. And then I would go and I would type up on my little electric typewriter what they called a J card, which was one of that little piece of cardboard that fits in the case around the cassette. Okay. And I would have to type it. And of course, they picked a color that there was no whiteout equivalent for. So if I mistyped something, I had to uh, white out, re yeah, re retype it. it and, wow. Yep. Um, so, uh, and then we'd have to, if it was a real rush, we'd have to overnight FedEx it. Wow. So I would have to actually get it to FedEx by 730. This is a, way before say, Google Drive. This is it. Yeah. This is it. Wow, you know, man. You know, I think this is probably a couple months after we had to give it to a kid on a pony. <laughs> <laughs> who galloped <laughs> who would into ride Boston. across the country. Warned about the British. <laughs> dodge arrows and things like that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah. And then was, when, when did it kind of start to change? You know, I can't, I even, even I remember as a kid tapes, like, what are we talking? Like 97 mm -hmm. that CDs started becoming a thing yeah, yeah, and, it, and, it, and it, Napster in about 2000 introduced MP3s, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the whole peer to peer file sharing. Yeah. Changed and then there the was game. all the, the lime wire and yeah, the, the stuff that, of course, none of us ever used. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pay, pay the artist. Yeah, <laughs> no I knew about it. I heard rumors about it, but I, yeah. I never touched it myself, of course. 
do you think that influenced casting in a better way or do you think it was, you know, um, well, every, the industry accommodates life. You know, life doesn't accommodate the industry. Life moves forward. And of course, yeah. we're addicted to technology as yeah. much as we may say we don't like it. There's always something. Yeah. Things get faster. Things get cleaner. Things get more efficient. Um, this was actually when I started being able to burn CDs, there was a thing called liquid audio. Cause I don't even think MP3s were really even a thing. Wow. Um, yeah, MP3 was a compression that was I built later. There was a thing called Liquid Audio, which I would have to convert wave files into so they could, and they only existed to be burned onto CDs because it was all like CDs, at least in the equipment that I had. Yeah. Um, MP3s came later, but what technology did was it made everything faster. It made everything instant, which was a great luxury that people appreciated for about a week. Yeah. And then it just became, well, this is a thing we can have. So this is a thing we expect. Yeah. Um, so people started wanting in casting sessions, people would start wanting the first half of the session so they could start listening while I was working on the second half of the session because they didn't have to wait that long drawn out 24 hours that they used to have to yeah. wait. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so things became more efficient, things became faster, which meant programs and ways of troubleshooting yeah. became more efficient because you had to process it faster. I remember Sony uh, had a program called SoundForge yeah. that a lot of us would use, which was one of the first editing programs that I used. Then there was a thing called Cool Edit Pro, which was a little more comprehensive, eventually became Adobe Audition. Got it. Um, but I had used the very beginnings of those. And part of it was because I was a nerd. I yeah. loved the tech stuff. I loved hitting a button and getting rid of mouth clicks yeah. and, you know, getting rid of low end rumble and all stuff I didn't even really have to do. So you loved what you did. I loved what I did. I well, love, I love toys. Wow. You know, and, and then how, you know, working in a booth and, and doing the assistant, when, when did the casting, like when they put you in charge, when did that transition happen? Uh, well, when, you I mean, when did I become the in-house booth director? No, the casting director when you oh, were the from, guy from there. Yeah. Well, I was their booth director until about 2007, very early 2007, but I had made a lot of contacts in the industry as yeah. an assistant and working in the department. So, I knew most of the players in New York, yeah. and when I took the plunge... Before 2007, were you teaching classes at this point? I or? did unofficially start teaching classes before 2007. Okay. Um, it was kept a little under the radar because it was iffy as to whether agencies could do that. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I never did. Yeah. Yeah, never. I never, <laughs> I never did anything, yeah. you know, wrong. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I did. I did start teaching a class and partly it was because honestly, assistants just don't make very much money. They yeah. do a lot of work. They don't make very much. So anyone out there with an agent, I'm going to say around Christmas, remember your assistants. I'm sure most of you do. Yeah. But it's amazing how many people don't even like, think about saying yeah. thank you and giving gifts as it is. Um, but when I was an assistant, Christmas, if I got a $25 Visa gift card or even like a Starbucks thing, that was huge. Yeah. That was huge to me. And that I'm sure the, you remember the actor. Oh, you, I totally did. Yeah. And it's not like why we would call somebody yeah, in or something. So it's, it's a nice. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just nice to hear. Thank you. You yeah. appreciate somebody. And, you know, I can honestly say that while it didn't, 
I didn't bring somebody in because they gave a thank you. Yeah. If somebody had a time problem, I was a little bit more understanding. Yeah. Because, I mean, they were appreciative and I knew that they're that kind of person. And, and, and not that I remember historically, this specifically to, to the video game nerds out there, but I do sort of remember, you know, 2007, I was 17 is like, that's kind of about the time when we started seeing video games getting a lot more like movies and mm-hmm. having plots and like voices and, and characters, yep. you know, prior to like where it was just Mortal Kombat, there was a couple lines. Right. And then I'm sure that opened a whole new dynamic into oh, the yeah. voiceover the, industry. The whole interactive thing. Yeah. yeah, that was big. When I was growing up, it was – I remember Pitfall was like the big game. And yeah. It was like little blocks, 8-bit, if even 8-bit, it was like 1-bit. Yeah. You know, and there were no real sound effects and nobody said anything. Um and then I remember this game called Dragon's Lair. Yeah. And for by game standards, it was terrible. But yeah. it was visually, it was just stunning. It was animated. And you'd hit a button to say, like, pull out your sword or run away. Yeah. Like, that was the options. And if you chose the wrong one, your $8.50 that you played per game was, like, gone. Um, but I think that was the start of the whole interactive thing. And it just... It was so fascinating and it just became this whole other aspect of the industry. And even though voiceover wise, you might only have one line. Yeah. You know, and it might be like, look out or duck. Yeah. It just, people were really satisfied because you were such a part of such a cool thing. And I loved casting it. Yeah. I liked the excitement of the people that were coming in to audition for it. I loved when somebody was excited that they got it. I loved saying that I was a part yeah. of the project and working on the casting of it. Um, it was really pretty thrilling to be a part of. And to give an idea for the actors listening out there, I'm curious to ask you, we spoke about this before we started recording is like when these video games started happening and you know, there was more spaces for voices and more voices were needed. How many of the people that you were bringing in were, you know, people that actually weren't pursuing acting like film TV theater wise? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean voiceover yeah, only? Yeah. Actually, even from the day that I stepped foot in it, there were a lot of people that only did wow. voiceover. Some of them were on camera people that didn't like on camera anymore. Yeah. I'm not worth saying disenchanted with it because I didn't necessarily have a bad, a problem with yeah. it. Um, it's just, it's honestly so much more work. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's great and it's fun and it's exciting if you love it, but voiceover was affording a different opportunity. And there's a lot of people that just took off in the voiceover world and were like, great. This is what I want to do now. Yeah. All of my work is indoors in a nice climate controlled environment. And I can get it done in three days. Yep, the yeah. days are shorter. Yeah. I can do four jobs in one day rather than one job in four days. Yeah. Um, the residuals were great. Um, you had a little more leeway. Like there were a lot of celebrities that wouldn't necessarily do a commercial for a certain thing if it was on camera, but they would do it if it was voiceover. Like Morgan Freeman or, People like you know, that. a yeah. lot. Like- I remember one celebrity in particular, she had done a, an ad for a feminine hygiene product voiceover and made a lot of money doing it, but she would not have done it on camera. Not that she had a problem with it. It's just that she had a brand. Yeah, of course. And it didn't really fit in with her brand, but voiceover wise, yeah. she could do it. Yeah. Even like Brian Cranston's doing voiceovers now for yeah, like, why, yeah. Yeah. Why would you not? Of course. <laughs> you know, and and so, oh, no, go ahead. As, as that started to change, how did it, affect casting you know as the as a business grew and there was more need for casting Mm -hmm. how did you start to kind of 
find different, you know, voices? Like, wh- where were you sourcing your, well, let's call them actors, mm-hmm. or your voiceover artists? Where, where were you finding these people? Uh, well, one of the things I like to say is, in this business, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. The, I call agents that I have relationships with within their rosters. There's talent that I have relationships with or people that I want to try that are new, but not every great person is represented Yeah, and not every person is represented is right for everything or even available yeah. for everything. Um, I would find people and I want to preface this by saying it's not a guarantee that taking a class is going to get of course. Work, yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not you do it to better means. yourself. But yeah, yeah. But it's like, I've got to be out there somehow. I've got to know who's out there. Um, And so sometimes I would find people, especially if it's a non-union job and some of the agencies were union, um, you work with people, you teach classes, you guest in other people's classes, you meet people who've done other things. Um, You know who's out there. You get a vibe of whether they're right for something or not. You take the demands of the script, if something's really demanding or not. Yeah. Um, If it needs a quirkiness that not everybody has or not. If somebody speaks another language, that's really valuable. Totally. Um, And you've got to find these people, you know, especially with languages. And in casting wise, you know, there used to be that kind of rumor that if like, you know, on camera wise, if you wanted to do movies, you had to go to LA. And if you wanted to do theater, you had to go to New York. For voiceover, is there a difference between LA and New York in casting? There is a difference, but it's not a difference in the availability of work. Got it. People also say, and I've heard this a lot, if you want to get into animation, you've really got to go to LA. Um, It's not necessarily true. There is a lot in LA and there is more in LA, but there is plenty here in New York. Yeah. A lot of it is dubbing. A lot of it is, uh, localization. Um, I know Dragon Ball Z, I believe is done here. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff that doesn't actually fully make it to air, but there is actually a lot of work in New York. So as well. it's not as black and white. Like, Oh no. Yeah. No, not at all. But you know, if you move forward in your sphere, <clears throat> the best place for you to be will expose itself to you. Yeah. Uh, if something's not working in one place and you want to explore another place, yeah. you know, my advice for anybody starting in this business, get a credit card with Sky Miles. Why is that? Because a lot of callbacks, you want to be available to both coasts and you right. want to be able to fly last minute. Um, there are a lot of callbacks. There are a lot of opportunities. A lot of agencies now are starting to, it's not very new, but it's relatively new, are really starting to have a bi-coastal reach. You can audition in New York for an L.A. project or you know, audition in L.A. for a New York project. But if you get a callback, they're going to expect you to be there and they're going to expect you to do it on your own dime. Yeah. Having a credit card with SkyMouse, since you're probably going to have a credit card anyway. Of course. It's just good thinking. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. have, you know, know what you can throw into a bag. <laughs> On no notice, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and get out there and do it. If you, hopefully you have a friend that, yeah. that you can just crash with. Um, but you've got to be available to it. And you know? I ask this to every casting director that's been on the show. And it, uh, I know the answer isn't one thing, but for you, what makes a great audition? Personality. And I think I, I would venture to say that most of my colleagues, at the end of the day, are going to say more or less the same thing. 
the reality of a script is the script needs what the script needs. Everybody's going to bring their own spin on it. But you're going to be delivered a similar thing yeah. in some ways. I mean, certain words need to be hit, and those words will get hit. Um, it needs to be done in a certain amount of time, and certain choices need to be made. Most people are going to make those choices. If anybody's wildly different, I may love it, but more than likely, I'm going to sort of steer them back in the same direction. The uniqueness that any actor brings to a job and what I really look for as a casting director is their uniqueness. Yeah, It's not whether or not they chose... To perfectly aspirate. Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, it's like if three people are all choosing to be happy on the script because your first line is, oh, my God, I'm so happy. Yeah. You know, it's a perfect decision. It's a valid decision. It's a decision that's probably totally right. Um, What they're going to do that's different is their happies will be different. This person's happy is a little different than this person's happy is a little different than this person's happy. Because nobody can do you. Nobody can do you. Yeah. Yep. And – Nobody should even try. Your uniqueness in any audition is just that, your uniqueness. Yeah. Um, it's not even necessarily a choice you make. It's just who you are. Also, as a casting director, by the time the audition starts, I've actually done technically more work on that audition than any of the people I've called in. Yeah. I've gotten the script. I've read it. I've analyzed it. I've gone over the needs of it. I've discussed it with my client. Hopefully I have a relationship. If it's, if I've worked with this client many times, um, I have a relationship with them to know that there's what they're asking for, but there's also what they tend to use, the yeah. kind of things they tend to like. So by the time I've called somebody in, I already know that base level, they fit the bill. Yeah. I already know they can act. I'm not calling in anybody that I don't think can act. And I don't mean can do Richard the Third and Streetcar Named right. Desire. Yeah. Um, a lot of people can, but I know that they can act what I need them to act, which is this script. I know that they can do a great job with it. Uh, it's not somebody's job to prove that they're a great actor. It's somebody's job to not prove that they aren't. Yeah. I'm already assuming they are. It's not their job to show me they can take direction. It's their job to not show me that they can't or won't. Totally. I'm assuming they can do the job. I know for a fact. So I've done this. So they already fit the bill. I already know what they bring to the table as them. I don't know if it's going to get them the job necessarily, but I know it's going to be something I will be happy with, I will be able to direct, and that my client will like. Yeah. Um, so that's really what I look for. People that can just be themselves. I'm not looking – I will never hide anything. Yeah. In my world as a professional, acting is living truthfully and fully under very real, very tangible circumstances in which you will always have everything you need to do your job yeah. because it makes it better, faster, and honestly makes us money. This is a business. Totally. So to bring out your uniqueness as an actor, I'm not going to hide anything for you and have you wondering what's missing, what, you know, if I like it, if I don't like it, I'm going to say, this is what I need. Yeah. Be that. Yeah. And then I'll ask for faster, slower, bigger, smaller. I'll ask for hit words differently. I'll change pronunciation. That's just direction. And I'll yeah. ask for that as I need. But the important thing is the relationship between me and the actor that comes out of them executing the script, not a supposed fairly unachievable relationship with a piece of paper with ink on it. Right. 
You know, makes total sense. That's what I look for. And then I'm curious to ask you, you know, just so I can give some advice to the actors or uh, I hate to use this word, but civilians out there that have an interest in voiceover. What do you recommend they do to to kind of like if they have no idea of how to get involved in this in this business, but they're interested? Chance to plug your classes or you know maybe something in L.A. What, what do you recommend for them? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I do teach classes. Yeah, and you're amazing. I, <laughs> Thank I, I you. highly stand Thank by. You very much. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, but I am not the magic key to yeah. a voiceover career. I'm one of several people that has advice to give. Yeah, valuable advice. Maybe different than some other people's. Maybe the same. Um, but there are some really great classes and great teachers in town and in L.A. Uh, my advice would be first start with a class. Yeah. Um, what's the, also, that website you gave me with the Ripley Greer one that has all the great classes? There's Cast Events NYC. Cast Events NYC. Um, yes, there's also one on one. One on one has great classes. Yeah. Actors Connection has yeah. great classes. Uh, the Voice Shop. There, okay. There are some. You know, really good yeah. voiceover classes out there with some really, really great teachers. I would say do your research. Yeah. Somebody being a great teacher does not mean they're a great teacher for you. Totally. Most people, oh, I, I will say shut up and talk. Also yeah. teaches some amazing classes and there are some individuals, uh, that do it. But, um, most places will offer some sort of like a one off, one night intro, meet somebody. Yeah. And then if you click, I would say pursue a longer class. Got it. Um, not everybody clicks with everybody. You totally. know, we're humans. Doesn't mean not, we don't all have valuable things to say. Yeah. Uh, I would also say don't limit it to one class. But um, that would be where I would start. A, an audition is – it's a really intimate experience in a non-threatening, non-inappropriate way. Yeah. But it is – it's an intimate experience. You and I are in each other's heads yeah. for a period of time. We're getting to know each other better. I might not even remember what you auditioned for, right? but I will remember you as a person, as a performer, and what you bring to yeah. the table, at least in a small scope. Yeah. And that is what moves you forward is who you are. Got it. Um, so the place to get that connection if you're not auditioning would be that kind of classroom where somebody in the industry is having that connection with you, having that relationship with yeah. you. Um, that's where we're informed of who you are, what you bring to the table, your sense of humor. Are you better with serious stuff? Yeah. Are you somebody that changes your voice or rolls with it? How do we interact? That's important. Completely. So that's why I would recommend that. It's plus you meet people. Yeah. You know, it's a great way to do that. I would also say as a bit of advice, because a lot of people, and I understand it, will start off in this business because they're told they have a great voice. Yeah. And should do voice it's just like it, being told you have a cute baby. Of yeah. Course. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, you should model. Yeah. You're attractive. Yeah. It's like, well, it doesn't mean the camera yeah. loves you. But um, if you've heard that, it doesn't mean you don't have a great voice. Most of the people that have come to me because of that do legitimately have a great voice. But yeah. voiceover is not about your voice. Your totally. voice is a genetic trait. Acting your voice would be like acting your height. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a genetic trait that's going to be different in five years anyway. Totally. Uh, it's what you do with it. And even if your voice is unique and special, there's still a thousand other people 
with a similar voice. Yeah. It's the personality that comes through. The thing that people don't always take into account is when their friends are saying, you have a great voice, you should do voiceover. They're also, it's in the context of a conversation. They're also getting a personality with it. They're getting a sense of humor with it. They're getting a sense of caring, concern. They're getting a humanness behind it. Yeah. Um, and their voice happens to stick out a little bit in that context. Often, certainly not always, but when people will take a class with me, and I know other teachers have experienced this too, people will take a class because they've heard they have a great voice and they want to explore it because who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, and they get in and they remove the personality from yeah, it. Yeah, and it's really And they stoic. change their voice yeah. slightly. Yeah. And, it, um, and I've got to say, okay, you have a great voice, but the beauty of that is you have that voice. You don't need to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, now let's get to words. Yeah. You know, and personality. All I need from an actor is their life. Of course. You know, I need you to be you and do these words. Any gear suggestions for those like looking to get started? Like, you know, because now I feel like we've entered a great time where there's so many affordable microphones out there that can do so much, you know, things that you used to have to go to a booth for in the 90s, you know, any, you know, without sponsoring a brand that's not, you know, (laughs) any suggestions? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. My first suggestion would be don't spend a ton of money. Yeah. you know, it, you can you can build a great anything for twenty thousand dollars, but of course. you actually building on your home computer. And I'm not talking about something that you can actually do like your promo jobs from or yeah. do your campaign from. Definitely spend money on a studio when it's a booking and there's money on the line. But for a good studio for auditioning at home. You can get – there's some great USB mics out yeah, there. like a um, Blue Snowball. Snowball is the one that changed the game. Before yeah. them, as far as I know, for the most part, a lot of USB mics were just headsets that were like – that made Skyping better oh. and stuff like that. But Blue really stepped in. Um, they upped the game. The Snowball's great, I yeah. think. Don't quote me on it, but yeah. I think it runs around I started 40, this podcast on the Snowball. Bucks. Yeah. They're great yeah. mics. Yeah, yeah. Really good. And look yeah. where you are now. Yeah. Thank you, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'll be contacting them. Yeah. <laughs> we both will. <laughs> um, but they're great. The, and they make other mics too, higher end mics. I, I love Yeah, the Yeti and yeah. so forth. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually have some very, very high end blue microphones too that sound terrific, but I'm a geek. Yeah. You know, of course. And, um, I, uh, there's, uh, one called a Meteor okay. by a company called Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N, Rode. Yeah, makes Rode makes really, great really great mics. Uh, there are some really terrific USB mics yeah. out there. I would say do that. I would get over the ear headphones. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely build a studio on your existing computer system. There yeah. are, if you have a Mac, it comes with GarageBand. Garage if you're comfortable with GarageBand, use it. The thing about different recording software, when people are talking about the difference in editing systems, for the most part, they're talking about bells and whistles, yeah. things you can do with it after the fact. The sound itself still comes from the same microphone and the same sound card. Yeah. If you have an external box, like an M-Audio box or something like that, you're going to get that sound regardless of what system you go into. So whatever you feel comfortable with got it, is what you should do. Just make sure it sounds great and don't wait till your first audition to learn how to use it. Yes. Because <laughs> you don't want to be sitting there with a script and then figuring, oh, what did this? Oh, it was a great day. Yeah. Oh, I lost it. How do I get out of stumble? Oh, I, I cut the breath and now the pause is too close. Know your equipment. Yeah. You know, your first delivery is going to be a statement of what you deliver. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. Um, so much of this business is just making people feel like they're in good hands. I need to know I can reach out and go, you know, hey, dude, here's a script. I need it back in two hours. And they'll turn and it And you'll get it yeah. to me yeah. in two hours. Um, so learn your equipment first. As far as soundproofing goes. Trial by fire. Trial by fire. Yeah. You know, I mean – I've I've seen people do amazing jobs just by putting pillows behind them. Yeah, or going into a closet. Yeah, yeah. Put a yoga mat under your microphone if you're doing a desktop thing. Yeah, everybody's got a yoga mat there. Of course. Using. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Lululemon. How <laughs> That's right. I'll be yeah, contacting yeah, them about yeah. a sponsorship deal. Um, you know, just make it sound as good as you can. Listen yeah. back with over-the-ear headphones. They don't need to be noise-canceling. Yeah. Sony has some great ones for 15 20 bucks. Totally. Listen back loud. Make sure that the cat walking around is not a sound. Yeah. You know? Um, and just make sure that it sounds good. I've even told people and heard great results from go to the supermarket or a liquor store, get a box. Yeah. You know? They're perfect size boxes, a case well, Put a blanket cereal. over your head or... Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, yeah. hey, if it works... Um, I, I'm, this is not the tangent it's about to sound like, but I'm a bit of a plumbing nerd. I have like kind of a hobby and, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's in the family. My grandfather was a plumber. So I spend a bit of time at Home Depot. Yeah. And almost every time I go to the plumbing aisle, cause they have these big, beautiful wide aisles. Yeah. I'll see a couple of people grabbing the PVC pipes and they're building a skeleton because there's room in the, in the, you know, in the aisle, they're building a skeleton for what I know is going to be a voiceover booth. No way. And they're putting it together right there and they're deciding on the size and things like that. And then you hang comforters over the wall. Yeah. Again, it's not going to be a professional booth, of but course. it's going to sound great. Yeah. And crisper auditioning. and better. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, quality matters. Yeah. You know, so Home Depot, I think they're walking out. I'm not going to quote a price on it, but it, it's affordable. You yeah. know, they're screw the fittings together. You got some skeleton you could take apart, move with you when you move apartments. Um, if it works, it's a good plan. If it doesn't work, then it's a bad plan. And but, uh, yeah. Before we get to your film, I briefly just wanted to kind of touch on your teaching experience. How, how has that enriched you and your experience, both as a casting director, as a, as a human? Like, you know, you, you're such an amazing teacher and you have such a great way with people. Thank and, you. And making them feel very at ease, which is very difficult in those workshops because everyone, you know, whether you're an actor or not and you go there and you try one of those, no one wants to fail, you right, know, right. and you make it feel I hate using this word because it's just we live in a very weird time, but it is literally a safe space, and you're great you. at creating that. Thank you. Yeah, talk. How did that? Was that just something? Well, I've always I, I was casting before I started teaching, and I've never experienced getting a better performance out of somebody when they're stressed. Yeah, I mean it's a great moment in movies. Yeah, high <laughs> you know, stakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah. you got like, yeah, you got moxie, yeah. kid. I'm gonna make you a star. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not my real life experience. People work better when they're comfortable, and sometimes that comfort comes from you've auditioned for somebody a hundred times, and you know the room you're walking into. Yeah. Or you're double parked, or just you know had an argument with your significant other, and mentally you're just somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know. Um, I just I, I don't see a need to stress people out now. If they're BSing, I'll call them on it. Of course. Um, but I just find, you know, people, I, I need you to be you. I need yeah. you to be 
confident you, not cocky, arrogant you necessarily, Yeah. but I need you to be comfortable you, conversational you, real you, jokey you. I don't need you to be nervous, scared you. Yeah. I don't need you to be you that's afraid of penalties or gun to your head you. Of course. It's not that environment. Yeah. It's really not. Um, and getting people comfortable with it, first off, there are some things people say in this business I don't totally agree with. Some people may not agree with me. That's it's the nature fine. of the business. It's the nature of the business. Yeah. But I hear people say there's a lot of rejection in this business. Yeah. In my experience, 25 years, give or take, there's almost no rejection in this business. There's a lot of not getting a job. Yeah. But that's not rejection. That's yeah. just you didn't get this one. Yeah. Nobody has gone to an effort unless you've really proved yourself to be a problem. Yeah. Um, nobody has gone to an effort – to decide why they don't like you. Right. You know, and nobody said, I don't ever want, you know, unless it's earned, nobody says, don't ever bring this person to me again. Or, yeah. You know, it's not rejection. It's just not getting a job. I yeah. mean, I bid out jobs sometimes that I don't get. I mean, right. those people are crazy. Yeah. But, um, but it doesn't mean I've been rejected. It means yeah. somebody else gave another bid or knew somebody or they were cheaper or, they they flipped a coin or they just didn't choose me. That's fine. There's enough work to go around. But it's not a rejection thing. And failure I, I, I failure comes if you have chosen to give up because you're giving up. Yeah. Not give up because you decide you don't like this anymore and this branch of the business. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, studied acting in college and I gave it up because I didn't love it. I didn't fail at it. Yeah. I didn't become a famous actor. Yeah. But I didn't fail at it. I stopped doing that because I found this and this is what I love. And I love my, this version of the creativity and this way of thinking. And I love giving opportunities to people. And I love when people book a first job. Yeah. I can help somebody out. Um, or even just give a bit of advice. I love that. I didn't love acting. Yeah. I didn't fail at it. I understand. So it's, uh, you know, it's people it's say, how you, you know, it's, yeah. it's how you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. People say, you know, it's like this classroom, it's okay to fail. It's like, and I agree with the thinking and I think that that's an amazing way to think, but nobody chooses failure. When is it not okay to fail? You're gonna yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, you're totally. human. Uh, it's just their way of saying, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. I don't even think of it as failure. Yeah. You know, you're moving forward. They're going, no matter who you are, there are going to be jobs you just don't get. Yeah. There are jobs you really want that you just don't get. Um, Someone once told me, and it really helped me as an actor, is to, instead of looking at it as rejection or whatever, is like, Look forward to 99 no's. Like, be excited to get those because mm -hmm. on the other side is that yes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, if you can approach it that way, you'll stay sane. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you get so caught up in that audition and that you didn't get it, right. you you can cripple yourself. and, and Oh, and you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and also what a lot of people also don't know from my side of it because, like, three-quarters of what it takes to move an actor forward – happens when the actor is not even there. Yeah. It's the conversations about that. The recommendation, oh, you should see so-and-so. I'm looking for somebody new. Hey, I just met this person. It's the agent phone call. You know, this person auditioned for me and they're not repped, but they're really great. Yeah. You don't know any of that is happening. That's yeah. because you have an advocate who trusts you for whatever reason. Um, so, so much of that 
happens when the actor is not in the room. Some of that comes from those no's. Yeah. Uh, I have um, a great story. I was casting this on camera project once. And um, there were – it came down to these two women. One of them was a brunette and one of them was blonde. And the client, they had found the guy that they wanted and he had dark hair. And so just to make it a little more evident that this couple was on a date because of the way the script was, they could have been a brother and sister. There was nothing a brother and sister couldn't be doing. It was yeah. just two people having a meal together. They wanted to make it more evident that it was a date and not family. So they ended up choosing the blonde woman because – of her hair color. Right. And because all things being equal, why dye somebody's hair and things like that? Yeah. So the brunette woman didn't get the job. Yeah. Everybody thought she was great. Everybody loved her. This just wasn't her job. A couple weeks later, I'm teaching a class and I get a call from the same producer and I step out of the class and I pick it up. Turns out a movie had just been dropped in their lap. It was um, a film that was mostly done in South America, but they needed a major role for stuff they were doing in New York. Yeah. And they called this producer and there was no time for a casting or anything. And they said, who was the woman that we were not able to use for that other project? And I happen to remember and I happen to have the contact information handy. And I gave her name. I gave her contact information. And at 830 at night, she got an offer for a movie, just a straight offer for a movie starting to shoot the next day that – Love this business. That she didn't even – that came from a no. Yeah. You know, even a no – means doesn't mean the machine is not yeah. working yeah because you, you know that's the thing about auditioning is you, you don't hear feedback from an audition you could be amazing but you could not just be right because of one superficial reason but they right. could love you you know what i mean right yeah and sometimes you don't hear feedback because you were amazing yeah you know it's the thing about being a great actor is it's the bare minimum requirement for this job yeah. i'm not minimizing it it's like being a great doctor. Yeah. Well, that's the bare minimum requirement. For yeah. that job. You're still only going to choose one doctor. Yeah. Being a great lawyer. Totally. You pay for that. Love that. That is the bare minimum requirement <laughs> that you expect. You know, it's like, you know, it's so being a great actor, that's terrific. That means I'll think of you for more stuff. I'll yeah. think of you for, but I'm not going to thank you for it. Yeah. You know, you'll get opportunities when you've done something wrong or you're off. That's where you, more than likely it'll just be direction. Right. But if you've really done something inappropriate or something, that's where the feedback will Got come it. in. But what you can know is if somebody hasn't told you that you're terrible, it means you're great. Yeah. They just don't feel a need to tell you because also, I mean, nobody tells me. <laughs> you know, I do totally. a job. People say, hey, thank you. Yeah. I actually worked on a, um, as a voice director. I worked on a project recently for this company and they had hired me and I had done, you know, I had directed the people and, um, and I didn't hear a problem, yeah. which meant great and fine. But I was like, it would have kind of been nice to hear. Yeah, a little. Thanks, yeah. did a great job. Yeah. I did find out like a month later, they told the owner of the company that it was a great job and thank wow. you for them. Yeah. But I'm like, do they know I was involved? Yeah. So even on your end, you, <laughs> even on my end, it's yeah. just, you're hired because it's expected you can do the job. And, you know, that's where the appreciation comes in. Yeah. You know, is that somebody believes in you and wants you to do it. So if somebody hasn't told you you've done a bad job, just know. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. 
And and before we wrap up, I'd like to talk about your film. You just had oh, a, a film premiere that Joaquin Phoenix produced. Yeah, he can executive we, produced it. Yeah. Can we can you we talk about that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's called The Animal People. It's actually a documentary. Yeah, a documentary. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's called The Animal People. It's uh, it's actually doing really well on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play and Vudu. And um, it's, uh, it's a documentary. It is years in the making. Um, I started it over 10 years ago following this group of activists who had been indicted um, on domestic terrorism charges. And I had no money and I was an assistant yeah. and I was really it was a passion noble minded. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, moving forward and documentaries are really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and they're really time consuming. Money pits, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell people when you're going to, st- if you decide you want to do your first documentary, do it about like shoelaces or yeah. something, you yeah. know, not something so <laughs> dense. Yeah. And as I got into it, I saw that this was becoming this precedent setting case and, uh, there were some major political players involved and it just got huge. Yeah. So I did a cut, which wasn't great. It was functional. It was a trailer cut. The sound sync was even off. And, um, but I had screened at, uh, the IFP. Yeah. And I got a nice little write up in documentary magazine and some producers took note of it and connected me with some other amazing people like, you know, Miko Alan from Fingate Productions and Ari Solomon, uh, who did the Maplethorpe movie and yeah. 13 about the miners yeah. in Chile. And, um, he had connected me with and brought in. Um, Casey Suhan and Dennis Henry Henley, who were these amazing and still are these amazing filmmakers who had done a documentary called Rock the Bells that still blows me away wow. about this a promoter who's doing, you know, bring Wu-Tang. Yeah, 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 yeah. Together. And it was, I think the last time ODB was actually, you know, in the show. Yeah, yeah, he passed away shortly after it. It's an amazing film and they, were sympathetic to the cause and they took it on and they directed it and did an amazing job. And I actually was very hands off for well, a long period of time. I mean, if somebody's great at something, you let them do it. Yeah. And they raised money and then Georgia Fox, um, became involved and she was a godsend. And, uh, you know, it's a documentary. You keep running out of money. Amazing. Yeah. You, know, you keep going quiet for a while. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Came in with uh, nominated Friday. today for an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and well deserved. Yeah, yeah he very was, well deserved. He was really, really great. Yeah, um, and a, just a nice guy. Everybody involved in this good per- is just a good person, and great. not you know because sometimes you can work with somebody and have a great work relationship and be like, eh, yeah, I don't know if I want that wasn't in my favorite. There experience. is not. There's not a single. Uh, bad egg in the, <laughs> you know. That's in amazing. The, in, well, in a- the Andy, two parting questions. Uh-huh. One, what's next for you? Uh, next for me, I'm working on a series. I'm not allowed to talk too much about it. Okay. But it's an animated series. Um, and uh, we should be hitting the air hopefully later this year. Um, Amazing. I can't reveal too much, but okay. it's a really... I'll keep people it's, posted. It's a really, really fun series. Yeah. And I'll definitely keep you aware of what's going on. Um, And then we'll see. I mean, the series, it's... I've delivered 26 episodes already. Yeah. There's another 26 on the way. That's taking up a lot of my time right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm still going to keep teaching. I'm castevent.nyc.com. Do you have a, give a personal on website? Uh, that would be really awesome. And something that I tell actors they all need to have. Yeah. You need to have a website. 
I don't. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hire someone. Yeah. I am. I am on Facebook, yeah. and you know. Um, but uh, yeah, that, follow, follow my advice, not my example. That, and that um, was going to be my second question. Mm-hmm. If you would like them to, how would you like actors or you know anyone interested to stay in touch with you? Well, I do have an email address, yeah. Andy at AndyRothCasting.com. Andy at AndyRoth, R-O-F. R-O-T-H. R-O-T-H. I know that. I don't know why I messed that up. At AndyRothCasting, one word, dot com. That is my email address if people want to know about classes and things like that um feel free reach out to use it yeah sometimes things get crazy i'm yeah. not always super fast on yeah. the answers um but uh you know and i'm happy with advice i will say if it's advice you could find yourself yeah please do yeah but, um, but I am out there. I'm accessible. I'm at one on one. Um, I do some things at Actors Connection, yeah, voice shop. Uh, so I am out there and any screenings of the animal people, I will check it out. Probably be at. Let's drive up those numbers, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an intense film. I'm insanely proud of this film. And I will say, uh, getting back to it, Casey and Dennis made the film that I would have made if I was capable of doing it myself. Amazing. Yeah, I do love it. But that's me. Is there anything else? No, Andy, I'm so grateful for yeah. having you here. You've been incredible and you've been such an oh. instrumental figure in my life. And I have an eternal debt to you as an artist and as a human. And I am so excited for all that to come, especially with that series. <laughs> so to well, be continued. Thanks. But- and this this has been a blast. Yeah. I've loved it. Dude, and you're thank great, you for doing and it. You don't have a debt to me but consider debt paid if you did and (laughs) we're good no man I admire you you're great awesome and rock and roll Andy Roth everyone if you like the show rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts thank you for listening 